Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. Well, I'm glad there are five weekends in the month of March because Pastor Dreyer and I, as I mentioned before, have a series that we're concluding today about the love languages of God. This is based on the idea of uh, Gary Chapman's work, his research, and his writing about love languages of people. Now, if we are made in the image of God and God expresses his love in a particular way, somehow we ourselves respond to love that is sent that way, and then those are the ways we give love. And the various ways like are, first of all, words of affirmation, followed by quality time, followed by gifts, followed by acts of service, and today, touch. And God literally touches. By the way, the other day, I was listening to Christian radio, and there was an interview of Tim Tebow, you know, former uh, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, NFL quarterback, et cetera, and is in a in the work of a kind of a nonprofit uh, charity and ministry about um, living a life of significance. And as he was interviewed, he, he said this, and it just really stuck with me. He said, God created us in love, by love, and for love. What a touch that God had when he designed and then created each single one of us. You were created in that love, by love, and for love. You know, we, we kind of missed out on that whole touch thing when the COVID epidemic was at, and pandemic, I'm sorry, was at its worst. You recall that phase we called shelter in place and all except essential businesses were shut down, schools were closed. Our school here was closed for several weeks. Uh, we got a note from uh, our neighborhood association on uh, one, one day that said, on Sunday afternoon, said, want everybody to go out to the end of your driveway to the sidewalk and then look at each other and wave and wave because we need to somehow be back in touch with each other. Our Easter services were shut down that year, 2020, and then for a couple of months, it was all online. Um, people were not allowed in hospitals unless you were sick. Uh, you were not allowed in nursing homes, which made it, it was extremely difficult for families and for the people who were in hospitals and nursing homes. So we were deprived of so much of that physical touch that we take for granted that is a part of our everyday life. It also was an opportunity for our kids to kind of reverse the roles and try to act like parents because, they, you know, we'd been acting like parents so long. Now, they wanted to turn the tables on us, and they kept tabs on us. Mom, Dad, you're not going out of the house, are you? you didn't, you're not seeing people. You didn't touch anybody, did you? Uh, or, and, and 
always watching out, you know, do you have plenty of this and that at home? Yeah, oh, get your masks, etc. And, and they were just always watching. And Rachel from Dallas, she says, hey, mom, dad, uh, what do you need? Don't go to the store. Don't go to the store. I'll, I'll order online from Target for you, and they'll deliver it to the door. So the, the delivery came, and then when the delivery came, she said, now, here's a link to uh, a YouTube that'll show you how to take care of those groceries, how to make sure everything is absolutely free of any germs. Why? I don't know if you remember that time. It was just a couple of years ago. All the gloves, all the masks, everything. Um, and it, th- this whole thing really imposed upon people and affected mental health as well. There were more cases of, of people uh, kind of getting off the rails as a result of all of this. Well, you know, we know that children without touch will fail to thrive. They need it. You watch the kids. Um, excuse me for being totally binary about this, but uh, you'll see the girls, you know, and they're going to be hugging each other and they're going to be holding hands. I get to see this every day during the week when all 100 and some kids are here and all of them really, really busy and doing things. And then the boys, what are they doing? Well, they're not hugging each other and holding hands. They're wrestling. Yeah, they need that touch. Touch too, and they, they love to have that touch. That's a part of their affection as well. And then when a kid is afraid, there's a thunderstorm. They wake up in the middle of the night. The lightning is flashing. What do they do? They run like everything into the parents' bedroom. They climb in bed and cuddle up with them, and then they feel safe. When our kids were little, probably the best time we had would be on Friday nights. So often we'd go in the family room, we'd uh, pull out the sofa bed and uh, put a blanket on it, get some popcorn, turn on the TV, and we would just be there, you know, cuddling, watching, eating, munching away, and we'd wake up in the morning, you know, everybody kind of tangled up together. But the the power of touch is really important. We're fact, we're told that the power of touch actually boosts the immune system in people. And then touching the hand of an elderly person soothes them and gives an emotional lifeline for people. As a matter of fact, touch is more essential than the other, than the other uh, senses. And those who study these things and are supposed to know about it say 10 times more powerful. Now, Helen Keller can tell you, okay, she uh, early in life uh, became deaf and blind as a result of a high fever. And through touch, she was able to communicate and able to learn. And it was obvious that this was a brilliant woman. I had a great aunt who was deaf and blind. And a couple of occasions in my life, I had seen her and watching my dad go up to her and talk to his aunt and, you know, just with a touch. And she could tell who it was and, you know, where she was and all that sort of thing. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. And I imagine that she also had sort of a, a kind of a special prayer language and touch as well. What a, what a great thing that uh, touch was an available thing. A connection point. And thanks, I, sometimes I look out and I see a, a deeper connection point, uh, like a husband and wife, maybe they're even holding hands during times of prayer. Uh, uh, a beautiful kind of a thing that says, we care, we are connected, we are in touch. So let's go to the Bible. Enough about that. Let's go into the Bible itself. First John chapter 1, verse 1. 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, okay, there's one of the senses, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, sense of sight, and now the sense of touch, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Think of that. God and man actually in a form of physical touch. In fact, isn't that what the incarnation of Jesus is all about? That God isn't just, you know, hey, I'm, I'm spirit so transcendent, so far away, uh, you can't touch me, I can't touch you, but God says, I'm coming right to you. I'm going to touch you. As a matter of fact, from the very beginning, God didn't God relate to human beings through touch? Okay, he scoops up the dust of the ground, probably wets it a little bit, and then starts forming with his hands. And you know, I think about when, when Jesus uh, is healing a deaf man. He's restoring this man to his creation. What did he do? He says he stuck his fingers in his ears because, you see, a second person of the Holy Trinity, he was there when God the Father created this Adam and, you know, pointed, poked his fingers in to make ears so that there would be orifices for this guy. And that the restoration, you know, the hands-on approach like this. So God creating in that very special way. Let's just take a quick tour of the Bible. And of course, uh, creation, that's where it all starts. And uh, if you look at this picture that uh, is on the Sistine Chapel ceiling where God is creating Humanity. There's Adam. There's God. The touch, the touch that goes. And of course, if we look more in the Bible, we see then that he actually lifted that up to his own face and breathed in the breath of life. And as we follow through the Bible, several, many instances in the Old Testament, not only that, but God delivering the people from Egypt, it says, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Well, think about the time when Jacob is wrestling with God. Wow, that's really close. Think about Elijah and Elisha, each of which raised up a young man, a young child. They stretched over. It was touch to touch and brought life, the life of God back. Think about when they brought the young children to Jesus that he might touch them. Jeff referenced that earlier. It was in the reading from uh, Mark chapter 10 today. Or think about uh, when a, a woman just even touched the hem of his garment, of Jesus' garment, and she was made well from a, an illness that she had been suffering for such a long time. Or when Jesus touched a leper, he, by the way, he had to cross over a barrier, a social barrier, a physical barrier, a medical barrier to touch him, but he touched him, and the man was made whole. Healing power, it says, came from Jesus as he touched the sick and healed them and released them from the power of demons. Last week, Pastor Dreyer talked about Jesus washing the feet. Now, can you get any more hands-on than that? Washing the feet of the disciples and then drying them with a towel. God said, I'm touching you. And then when Jesus was raised from the dead and he said to the disciples, who thought they were seeing a ghost, he said, hey, I'm not a ghost, just touch me. You know, this is solid flesh. I'm real, I'm real. God, see, he wants to be in touch. And when uh, Christians minister healing, the, you know, the, the ministry of reaching out, touching, healing, 
can often involve laying on hands, anointing with oil, laying on hands. The touch is not the touch of people. It's more than that. Touch of God, authority of God behind that. So humanity is desperate for a touch. Even people that don't want to be touched, you know, they're scared of it, but they want it more desperately than you can even imagine. There are so many barriers they have to break through in order to be comfortable with that. See, here's the problem. What's the human problem? And that is this, that sin is being out of touch with God. You get it out of touch with God. And you know that affects us in every relationship. When Adam and Eve rebelled and sinned against God, that affected every other relationship. They got, you know, out of touch with God. Adam got out of touch with Eve. As a matter of fact, Adam blamed Eve for his sin, and so Eve blamed the snake, and the snake was left without a leg to stand on. All right. You want to put a rating on that one? Okay. These people needed a divine touch, a divine touch. And when God touches us, so often we actually feel it. You know, I know people are a little bit skittish about, you know, uh, you know my relationship with God. No, no, I don't want that touchy-feely. Uh, no, um, I'm not all about uh, feelings. But you know what? Yeah, we place our trust not in the feelings. We place our trust in the facts, you know, of who God is and what he has done, what he has promised, and why he sent Jesus into the world and the accomplished atonement for our sins. We put our trust in that. But when we do... Don't be surprised if sometimes it feels pretty good. <laughs> it feels pretty peaceful. In fact, it just, it kind of settles all those issues that have been bothering us. And then sometimes even in our praise and our worship and the lifting up of our hands and our, 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 our voices before the Lord, we somehow feel something. What is it? See, God knows how to touch us and where it is that we need that touch. Yeah, we do place our faith in the facts, but when we place our faith in the facts, so often, yeah, don't be surprised if some feelings come along with that. Well, you know, when it comes to touch, I like to do some things with my hands, like in in praise and worship, okay. Um, I like to raise my hands. So you say, are you a Pentecostal? Well, I agree where they're right and I disagree where they're wrong. But, you know, the Bible says, you know, lift up your hands, you know, in prayer, in worship, okay. I signed myself with the cross. Are you a Catholic? Well, you know, um, Martin Luther, the first Protestant in his instructions to families about morning and evening prayer, he says, Make the sign of the cross and say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and then proceed to bring your prayers to the Lord. So, hey, what about clapping your hands? The Bible says clap your hands, people. Oh, think about, as uh, Shannon mentioned in that little kid's message about she had the water and baptism. That's a real hands-on kind of thing. I mean, just try to imagine baptism without another touch. But Who's touching? Who's doing the touching? The pastor? The baptizer? No, it's really God who is doing the touch. And uh, think about things like 
uh, confirmations, laying on hands and praying for the gift of the Holy Spirit, ordinations, installations, ministry to the sick and the dying, the, the final rites, the last blessing uh, placed upon people. You know, the many times when that I've been involved with that, you know, there's a lay the hands upon the person and, and all the members of the family that are there, they want to hold hands, they want to touch. And people want, when they die, they want to die with their loved ones close at hand. I'm reminded of Marjorie. She was like a, a matriarch on steroids. And, uh, it's, you know, we'd celebrate her birthday, but she kept on having them and more and more and more. So, oh, we better get together because, you know, this is her 95th or something. Oh, but there's going to be some more. Well, this time we're going to do it in the Warren Duck Club. You know, we're going to go all out and say, hey, pastor, come and sit right beside me here. And, you know, uh, but all the family there. And then the phone, phone call came and said, Marjorie, is just about to go and be with Jesus. We're all gathering together. I never saw so many people in a, uh, in a room, in a hospital room. I mean, the children, of which there were many, their spouses, of which there were many, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, and even the great-grandchildren's kids. So there they are together, and uh, they're all wanting to be touching Marjorie as she's going on uh, to heaven. And then Stephanie says, she says Pastor, I, I have some some bread and wine here, um, and have some little glasses. Could we have communion together? I said, wow, you know, all of us in anticipation of that great banquet in heaven, uh, and she's just about to be there, literally. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. And you know the beautiful thing about Holy Communion, and uh, in a few minutes you're going to be experiencing that at the table of the Lord here, is, is that all the senses are touched. There is sight, there is smell, there is hearing, there is taste, and there is touch. And God's saying, I am actually making for my church a literal physical touch between me and them. And say, wow, I didn't know Holy Communion had all that in it. Yeah, that and the body and blood of Jesus and forgiveness of sins and strength for living the life. I mean, like... uh, what more could you expect? It's, it's all there. Now, the ultimate touch, and why that has power, is that there is a bigger touch yet, and that is Jesus Christ crucified. When he came and he gave his life, you know, you might say, oh, wasn't that the earth touching him, you know? Like putting those manacles on his hands and binding him and whipping him, nailing him, putting a crown of thorns on him, and all that smiting and all those blows. Wasn't that sin touching him? Yes, but when sin touched him, he touched the world because that was my sin there. And then he said to those people who were out there in front of that cross, or said to the the Lord, the Heavenly Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But you know, when he's saying them, did you know he saw you right there? As he's being crucified. Wow, what an incredible thing. Well, you see, Jesus then, he's getting us back in touch. This whole thing of getting back in touch. Let's think about, first of all, when Jesus put those children on his lap. As Jeff said, can we be little enough? Can we let ourselves be small enough, humble enough, that we can climb up 
on his lap, the hurting and the crying child, the touch, the embrace, the contact of putting the Band-Aid on where it hurts and where we have been wounded in our lives. And he restores us, the touch of his love. And one of the most touching parables that Jesus ever told comes from the 15th chapter of Luke. There are three parables about lostness, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and then a lost son. We call it the prodigal son, okay? And um, it's, I'd like to really think of it as the embracing father. That, I think, is a better title, and it parallels dramatically the relationship between this father and his rebellious child and God and his rebellious creation. Because what he wants, he wants to touch and embrace. So there were two sons, an older son, younger son. The younger son, yeah, he was one that made all the trouble all the time. And one day he said, Dad, Dad, I want my inheritance now. I want my share now. No, wait later. No, now. Now, this would have been a real slap in the face because inheritance, the father isn't dead yet. <laughs> Reminds me of a time we were uh, at Thanksgiving at some friends and they had their children, grandchildren, the grandparents, etc. All, all of them together. And uh, there's a little guy, Lincoln. He's about three or four years old. And I see him playing with this cane. And he's walking around, you know, with this cane. I said, hey, Lincoln, is that your grandma, uh, great-grandmother Betty's uh, cane? He says, yeah, she's 89 and she isn't even dead yet. <laughs> well... <laughs> This, this father isn't dead yet, but he wants the inheritance. The father gives in, says, okay, okay, that's what you want. Uh, see where it gets you. See how it works out, huh? So he goes, then he takes the money, goes to a far country, does everything that he was taught not to do, and everything went bad, and he lost it all, a whole series of bad decisions, and he is defeated, he's disgraced, and his humanity is disfigured. And he hit the bottom. There was no alternative left, and he's got to face himself now. And when he looked at himself, he didn't like what he saw. So he had to turn his face away from that to the one alternative that was left, and that is turn his heart and his face back home. And he began the long journey. And on that journey, I'm sure he rehearsed his speech repeatedly. Oh, Father. And then he hears in his imagination his father saying, you're not my son. I, I, no, I don't know who you are. You don't belong here. No, you're not my son. Go away. And he's hearing that, and he's hearing the accusation. He's hearing the condemnation that, first of all, comes from himself. And when we begin to condemn ourselves, you know, the devil says, hey, I'm going to pile on to that too. And then he starts condemning us too and saying, how unworthy, how terrible you are. You, are, you, you, you just have no place before God. He, he can't accept you the way you are. And so when he got home, he didn't expect much. And he just asked, if maybe he could have some kind of a, you know, the bottom rung job on the farm somewhere. And the dad, but before he can even get there and before he can say anything, the dad runs to him, embraces him, and kisses him. This was the last thing he expected. Do you know what? That's the last thing that a guilty sinner expects from a holy God. But this holy God 
is so gracious. He is so loving. You see, all he wants is forgiving us. He wants restoration, reconciliation. He wants to touch us. And he will. All of his children who turn their hearts back toward home. So what about us? Have you been out of touch with God? This guy, he was out of touch with his dad. He was out of touch with God. In fact, his, the final end, he was out of touch with everything, including the pigs. But now, there's God saying, I want you, I want to be in touch with you. Do you want to know the touch of God? All right. Here's a book, the love book, <laughs> the love letter, all about you know, and there you're going to find such things. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here is where you learn about forgiveness, restoration, about intimacy, the kind of intimacy that God wants to have with you, about the touch that can heal those broken places in your life. And you know what, folks? I'm not going to say it out loud. Yeah, I will. Okay, I've got broken places, and I bet everybody else has some broken places that need a touch and need some healing. And God says, hey, come on in. Come on closer. Come on closer. I want to be with you. I want to embrace my, you with my love. And we can be deeply touched. But you know what? If you want to be touched by somebody, you can't be running away. you got to stand still. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Stop running. Stop hiding. Stop sneaking away. Stand still. Know that he is God. And he will show you how much he loves you. Well, there's a, a, a song that was... Uh, written by Bill Gaither, and um, it's become a kind of a gospel classic, and I'm just going to read the lyrics to you. Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. Since I've met this blessed Savior, since he's cleansed me and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. You want to know the wholeness? Just put whatever is not whole upon him, and he will touch you.